Hello, Future Tribe. Welcome to episode 47 of the podcast. On this week's episode, I've got Steph and Jill from Our Freedom Years. These guys are YouTubers and subscribe to the FIRE movement, which you may or may not have heard about. FIRE movement basically stands for Financially Independent Retire Early. It's big on Reddit and big online. Our conversation starts, as always, about their past careers and what they used to do before we sort of get into what they do now. Steph and Jill were able to retire early due to just committing to a frugal lifestyle, saving their income relentlessly, and we talk about how they avoided the common trap of lifestyle inflation and found ways to still enjoy life whilst saving the majority of their income. I know that it's way easier said than done when it comes down to it. So we talk about the specific investment strategy that they utilize to fund their lifestyle, what they recommend for people to try to mimic their lifestyle choice or, you know, what they recommend for people who are also looking to be financially independent. Steph and Jill then discuss the biggest mistakes that they made along the way, how it was difficult to avoid lifestyle inflation as they moved into better paying positions. Lifestyle inflation just really gets the best of you. It's basically this concept where the more you earn the more you spend and you just never sort of stop so as you earn more income as you earn more money you spend a proportionate amount uh, as well and therefore you just don't end up saving more their general advice is that you shouldn't just eliminate all your leisure spending but be aware of how much those activities cost and basically just weigh it up and we finish off part one with them talking about how cutting back isn't all bad as it forces you to reflect on whether your purchases are actually bringing you happiness and whether you can sort of generate that happiness internally by yourself so that's part one of my chat with steph and jill from our freedom years let's get started with the intro Welcome to the Future Tribe podcast, where we're all about taking your future to the next level. Whether it is interviewing guests or unpacking strategies, you know we will be talking about getting things done and backing you, a fellow optimistic go-getter. And now, as always, here is your host, the formidable, fortunate and highly favoured, Jermaine Muller. Hello, Future Tribe. Welcome to another episode. This episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk to uh, two wonderful ladies um, about a topic that has interested me for a long, long time, but um, I haven't really spoken to anyone in in a similar position. So without taking too much time to do an intro, um, I'll say hello to Stephanie and Gillian from uh, Our Freedom Years. They've got a YouTube channel. How are you guys going today? We're great. Thanks so much for having us. No worries. So um, you guys are in Italy at the moment, is that right? Yes, that's right. Uh, we've been Italy in Italy for around one month now, just over that. And hopefully our plan is to be here for a total of two months. Okay, Once fantastic. The lives. <laughs> yes, so the quarantine that we're talking about, because um, hopefully this isn't a problem when this episode goes out, but um, we're, ta- we're doing the interview recording um, at the time of coronavirus sort of starting to take a proper stranglehold of of the world and everyone's sort of freaking out how long has it been since Italy went into lockdown just under a week so we were in the south of Italy when the complete lockdown came in and uh yeah we decided to uh move to kind of a more remote location we're all stocked up and ready to kind of wait things out 
Nice. Awesome. So like, like I mentioned, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we're not sort of in the same situation and we've started to get out of the hole a little bit. Now, what's found you in Italy? You, you guys um, are financially independent and retired. Yes. Yes, that's correct. So just, we'll, we'll give you a little picture of who we are today. So uh, we're we're a couple who have reached our financial goals. We're financially independent. For your listeners who are not familiar with the concept, that simply means that the returns on our investments are now enough to cover our lifestyles on an ongoing basis. So we were able to quit our corporate jobs uh, where we had been working in Singapore for the last six years and then just head off on the road for a life of slow travel and adventure um, across Europe first and then hopefully in other areas of the world as well and just to make things a little more complicated we have our two dogs along with us also so that's our life today just seven years ago we were just a very average couple uh, sitting in Toronto Canada where we're from um, holding very regular jobs and just having you know a vacation um, a two-week vacation every year and wishing we could travel more so it's been Quite a journey from there to get to here. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, what sort of um, industries were you were you in, or lines of work were you in before you uh, retired? So, for myself, Stephanie, I was in a relatively senior role in the insurance industry, focusing on marketing and customer experience. Mm-hmm. And I was working in healthcare for my career, um, focusing on quality improvement within healthcare. Okay. Now, the reason I bring this up is because um, when I hear about, is is it correct to say the uh, FIRE movement or financially independent retire early? Is that is that yes. sort of yes, what fire. you guys, yeah. yes, the FIRE movement. So every time I see that come up, first of all, it's a, it's a good point that you made that your investments allow you to, uh, the return on investments essentially allow you to find your lifestyle because the big thing I always think about is, you'd have to have a lot of money to be able to retire um, early, right? But I guess the whole point there is that you essentially invest wisely and invest enough that you can fund your life. But um, the reason I was asking about the careers to start off with was to sort of establish whether, you know, you guys were CEOs of multinational companies and, you know, making big salaries and therefore you could retire. But it sounds like, you know, you, you have a fairly achievable lifestyle prior to becoming financially independent. Is that fair to say? So uh, reaching financial independence was definitely not something that happened overnight. It was something that we worked toward essentially through our our whole working lives. We Mm -hmm. were always really good savers. Um, and, you know, we just saved and invested and, uh, you know, accumulated the, the assets that, that we had. Um, so, yeah, we, we weren't like trust fund babies, anything like yes. that. We were, you know, normal people working normal jobs. Um, you know, I was working in, in the government for, for much of my career. This is it's, to say it's that achievable. <laughs> we, we really believe that it, it is achievable if you put your mind to it. So, uh, yeah, we encourage others to vote it for themselves because, you know, it is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will add to that, yeah. though. The um, we, we did have to, in order to retire, again, relatively early. So Jillian being in her late 30s is, I think, pretty early. Um, we did have to really double down on our savings. 
So Mm -hmm. for most of our lives, we were good savers and we were, you know, somewhat frugal, but near the end, when we were really close to achieving our goals, we actually got as high as a 70% savings rate. So we were living quite frugally in order to achieve that. Yeah. And of course on the, the, yep. Sorry. Sorry. The other side, of course, is you have to control your, your expenses, your costs. You know, it's not about being financially independent and, oh, you know, we can just spend what we want. It's, it's about really having uh, a tight control over spending and really spending money on the things that you value. So that's, of course, the other side. Of yeah. So the big thing, um, big thing there for me is how, so you were living in Singapore. Um, I wouldn't say that Singapore has the, the cheapest cost of living. Um, how did you sort of juggle this, this, I guess, I think it's a very natural human want for more and want for luxuries. And how did you manage that and balance that with this goal that would see you retiring early? That is a great question. And the honest truth is that we really struggled with that in the beginning. So we moved to Singapore and it was, it was a dream come true. Neither of us had worked internationally before. We were so excited about it. We're so excited to be in the region. We, the, the first couple of years we went traveling every chance we could get. So we went all through Southeast Asia. Um, you know, being expats, we're far away from friends and family. So you have to you know, do other things to amuse yourself. Um, Singapore is a very bendy city. So mm-hmm. there are lots of ways that your money just flows right out of your wallet. So we did struggle with that a little bit in the beginning. It was a bit of a shock to us, again, coming from just very average kind of middle class Canada over to Singapore, where there are a lot of expats, a lot of high salaries, and just lots of ways to spend your money. So I think the turning point for us came, though, when I became very burnt out at work. So I had been working um, very career focused, working very hard, and I just had a really tough year of a lot of evenings and weekends. Um, and that being not very remarkable in a work sense. That's what everyone was doing. So that's what I did as well. So that was a little bit of a wake up call. And that's when we got serious about fighting back the lifestyle inflation, which is, you know, I think what you were getting at, um, that you would be experiencing in a place like Singapore. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I mean, it's it's a simple maths formula, right? It's It's you need to save more than you spend. Well, you need to save enough that your expenses are going to be less than what you will recoup so that you you continue to have enough money to continue to live rather than uh, depleting the bank balance. Um, But the catch there is that it's simple in theory, but like you mentioned, it gets very emotional when it comes to money and spending things, because I assume you guys would have had to, you know, um, say no to eating out and say no to going on particularly sort of extravagant holidays to start off with so that you can do it a little bit later on. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely, I guess I would call them sacrifices made, um, especially maybe in the last year when, when, you know, we could see, see in sight, like that we were going to be reaching our goal and the, and the, the more that we could save, the faster we would reach it. And, you know, during that last one to two years, we were like not eating out at all. Um, definitely we were not traveling the way we had been. We, we were really focused on making those cuts, but it was also a very exciting time and we felt very um, energized, you know, excited about the future. So uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't so difficult in that sense. And we, there are a lot of things that you can do that don't cost any money. And, uh, you know, while we used to eat out with friends a lot, well, it didn't mean we couldn't see friends anymore. We just started having them over more or uh, yeah, 
just switched up what we were doing. So just with a little bit of creativity, um, we were able to cut back on our spending without any like real sacrifices that, uh, you know, that we would complain about. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point that you bring up. I think society today, especially when it comes to advertising and marketing and looking at what a lot of the the businesses are doing, their goal at the end of the day is to make you feel like you need to do X, Y, and Z that usually results in spending money that they get to capture. So it can be quite difficult to say no to things like, you know, getting the latest phone, uh, let alone going out every other weekend with your friends. Were there arguments between the two of you? Um, and did you did you sort of experience any sort of uh, kickback from your friends or was it, was it a bit more seamless? Our friends were, um, I think, a little confused, but also intrigued by what we were doing as we started to explain to them what our goal was. So um, in the beginning, we just started inviting them over for brunches and dinners, and everyone thought that was very novel and appreciated it. And actually, it was a great way to bring people together. Um, as we became more, oh, we're going to be traveling long term. So they thought that was very exciting. We're going to have a career break. And then eventually, we let people know that we had reach this place of financial independence and that was going to be the the foundation to our future lifestyle and travel and you know some people that it, it spurred a conversation with many people and some were very interested to understand more and we were happy to share more information and in fact that's one of the reasons that we uh, decided to share some of our how-tos about financial independence and retiring early um, on YouTube because we found that our friends and our family were very intrigued to know what we were doing and how they might apply that to their own lives. Yeah. So let's get into that a little bit. Um, now is a significant or a very, very important part of all this making the right investments, would you say? Um, I think there's, you know, a number of things that includes making the right investments. Of course, if you make the right investments, but you're hardly putting anything in, then you're not going to get too far. So I think definitely getting your costs under control, which allows you to hopefully save and then and then invest um, and to as you then live your lives, having a budget that you're following, I think those things all come together to to make this possible. Yeah, yeah. So how did you, you know, how much would you would you be comfortable sharing in terms of how that looks for, for you guys in terms of like, is it is it more of a matter of building up, you know, enough of a, a reserve in a bank account to, to then live off the interest? Or um, are you a bit more diversified than that? How does how does that sort of look? Actually, I'm not sure if you mentioned there's the fire fire movement, financial independence, retire early. Um, so there's a group of people who are having a lot of conversations about, I'll say, best practices in this area. And so um, uh, it's quite common that people will be invested in in the stock market, but in globally. So they'll be invested in a broad index fund investments. And that often forms like the basis of people's investment strategy, but mm -hmm. as well having some form of fixed income to help them brave that volatility. So for us, we're, we're not too different. We have a mix of um, equity holdings uh, through Global Index Fund. And then as well, we have some uh, fixed income investments that helps us to have a regular um, cash flow coming in. So it feels a little bit more like similar to a salary. We have, always have something coming in um, and also to help us brave those downturns that we know will happen over the years. Um, what I will say in addition is that we don't 
stockpile funds just sitting in the bank in a savings account um, because we do want every single one of our dollars working as hard as possible. So um, many people choose to have, say, a sizable emergency fund. Maybe it's three months, six months worth of expenses. Maybe it's a year even. So we, for us, where we are in our lives, we're more comfortable to have everything working hard for us in some sort of investment um, and then having a fairly minimal reserve for everyday expenses. Yeah, that, that's very interesting because I, I guess to the listeners right now, if you're thinking about getting yourself in a similar position, um, a very important part of this is investing wisely and investing as much as you can, just like you guys have mentioned, keeping as little as possible in sort of an emergency fund, probably just keeping an essential amount uh, that you'd calculate fairly, fairly wisely so that you're not, you know, um, going to assume that it'll last six months and it in reality only lasts a month. But the big trick, I think, um, it's not really a trick, but the, the big tip here is to um, get your money out there sort of multiplying, making babies and coming back to you um, as, as much as possible possible you know multiple folds um versus what you sort of invest into into these places and then also i think a big tip that you you've also talked about is diversifying it so that you're not you know invested completely in the us and then if the us was to tank there goes um a, a huge sort of chunk of your investments you're diversified which usually means that the whole world has to be in trouble for for you guys to sort of be in trouble, but even then being smart with some fixed income, I assume things like property and where, you, where you're getting rent, is that sort of what you'd be talking about on, on, on a fixed income sort of investment? Uh, so for a fixed income, uh, for some people it's property, for other people it's bonds. For us, we are effectively, uh, it's related to the real estate market, but um, uh, we have uh, syndicated mortgages, which we participate in, which basically means uh, money is lent out and then and this would be uh, quite large loans, and then it's split up among different investors. So for example, if someone is, uh -huh. say, building a large uh, condominium and they need to borrow $10 million, then that gets chopped up among, you know, 100 or 1,000 different invest investors. And in that way, we can participate in multiple of these syndicated mortgages. So it's spread out across many different properties to somewhat lower the risk. So we're, we're investing in real estate in a way, but not directly. So we don't have to manage a property, have any of those headaches. And we are also getting a known rate of return on that investment. Yeah. And it also, um, I guess, makes it easier for you guys versus say, traditionally, you would have to buy a property and then you'd need to maintain the property and you'd need to find people to say rent that property out and so on and so forth, which probably adds a bit too much overhead if you're, you're trying to enjoy life and have, you know, as less overhead and admin as possible. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Um, for us, especially with us being moving around, uh, you know, internationally, managing a property was not something that we really wanted to to take on. And as well, this allows us to diversify a little bit more than just being invested in one or two properties. So for us, this was uh, the best option. Yeah, talking, we've talked a lot about the positives, I would say. Um, how about the negatives of, or not the negatives, sorry, how about the mistakes that you made? Um in the lead up to finding financial independence? Is there anything that sort of you wish you didn't do or anything that comes up that sort of, you know, maybe delayed becoming financially independent by another six months? 
Sure, we can we can share that. Happy to share our mistakes along the way. So I I referred to it very lightly when I talked about some of our earlier time in Singapore. So lifestyle inflation, it's something I think that most people struggle with, especially as you move up in your career or you get a raise, suddenly you want the lifestyle that you know goes with that um, you know additional amount of money. Uh, so that was something we we had a little issue with ourselves. So, you know, we, we indulged in some luxuries in our lifestyle. And I, I remember at one point, I was always someone who made my lunch and took that into work every day. But there was a period of time um, when I was in Singapore that I thought, oh, it's much more convenient to get this, you know, healthy lunch service where every single day I'll get like a packed lunch from uh, a mm -hmm. company that was affiliated with my gym. Well, I can tell you those lunches added up to quite a bit over a number of months. <laughs> and that's just, it's just one example. So um, another example, and actually this is also food related, is we got into the habit on the weekends. Oh, you know, it's been a really tough week. Fridays, let's treat ourselves and we'll order in a really nice meal that is, you know, comforting after a challenging week at work. So you know, Friday after Friday after Friday, again, that, that really starts to add up. So there were a lot of those examples. And it, this was something we really only uncovered about ourselves after we had discovered the concepts of financial independence and retiring early and started to track our spending and analyze our budgets and realize, wow, we have a lot of money going out the door on stuff that isn't really important to, again, it's that lifestyle inflation that really sneaks up on you that we needed to, to fight back on. That was probably our, our biggest challenge and probably set us back by, you know, six months. More than year. six months, I'd say. <laughs> I think it could have been a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. I mean, if, if you're listening to this sort of thinking, mm, you know, but I, I have a very busy week. I've worked hard. I, I deserve to go out with my friends and, you know, have a few drinks and have a nice dinner. That's a comfortable $100 over here in, in Australia. Um, in a lot of parts of the world, it's still, you know, it's not cheap to do that. I, I challenge you if you're listening to this thinking, oh, that might be me just to just to run the numbers, run the numbers genuinely and honestly, you know, factoring things like the the coffee or two that you buy every day during your work week and um, then just sort of multiply it by even even a 10-year period and you'll see how much money you've actually sort of let out the door versus you could invest and um, actually make money from. The thing is, it's, it's not necessarily about cutting all these things out. It's about uh, making making a decision about it, like deciding, yes, this is something I, I love having dinner out with my friends. This is something that I want to do. Uh, and and I, I prioritize that. But just be aware how much is going towards it and what you're sacrificing. So that's, yeah, that's the main takeaway. Yeah, I'm going to play the uh, devil's advocate here a little bit um, because I get this argument a lot and I... Um, I'm ashamed to say that I put this argument out there um, myself when people sort of go, that's a lot of money to be spending. But, you know, what? how do you sort of think about the fact that, you know, life is short and something could happen to, to one of you or both of you tomorrow? How do you sort of forego nice things and make those sacrifices um, while there is that, you know, reality of how temporary things can be? How do you balance that? I think that it's just a matter of perspective. So when, you know, when we were sitting there at the, maybe the height of our spending, we, well, we hadn't done the sort of self-reflection necessary. We'd think, oh, all those things, those are absolutely necessary to my happiness. But in fact, once we started 
reflecting, analyzing our spending, questioning what's most important to me. We, we actually found a really huge shift in our perspective. And the, th the things that we thought maybe would be sacrifices if you took them away, um, in fact, we, we found that our lives were enriched by looking for other solutions. And I'll give you a really quick example. We love fitness and we actually had been doing CrossFit for maybe seven or eight, eight years. years. And in Singapore, mm -hmm. that is a very expensive form of fitness. So we were going to a boutique downtown CrossFit gym, and it cost us so much money every single month. It was a shocking amount of money. But we thought, this is one thing that we value. So we're not going to give it up. We're going to keep going. Um, but when we started to analyze our spending and really question what we were doing and, and realize how much that would add up to over the course of the year, we, we really, we, we took a look at some alternatives. And what we decided to do was learn more about fitness so that we could run our own programs. We could design our own programs. We could be training ourselves, motivating ourselves. So we joined um, a much more basic gym. So just some, just regular commercial gym where we would have access to weight. And we did a lot of research and we designed programs that we could follow. And we learned so much from that experience. And today, we feel very much in control of our own fitness. So we don't have the need to just show up at a CrossFit box and follow what they tell <laughs> us to do and say, oh, okay, that's it. I did my workout. Um, we're, we're actually very you know, involved and engaged in our own fitness program. So what could have been seen as a sacrifice actually turned into something that was really enriching for us. Yeah. And, and you know, undoubtedly, you've um, learned skills there, let alone, you know, the fact that, that, that there's a muscle of self-discipline that you would have had to exercise to, to, you know, no pun intended to, to get there as well. But you've also learned skills that you can now sort of use for the rest of your life. Um, so even if you were to take part in some sort of paid course in, with regards to fitness and, and diet over, over the rest of your lives, it's probably way cheaper than paying for any gym let alone a very fancy gym. Yeah, we've, we've definitely applied this uh, DIY approach in a number of areas, just to name another quick example. Like now I'm grooming our dogs. Uh, so we, we have our two poodles and they need to be clipped. And in Singapore, we used to pay a lot for it. And the great thing is now that we're on the road, we don't have to worry about finding someone to do this service for us. I can just do it myself for free. Uh, so uh, we went through this process of experimenting, like what are all the different things that we can try to do differently? And, you know, what is that experience like? And then is that something that we're prepared to change? Or do we really feel that that thing that we're spending something on is you know, meaningful to us? And, and then we, we keep, keep it in. So this is something that we encourage others to do just to at least try something different. You do that experiment and then you learn from it. Yeah, I love it. Um, was there a lot of looking at your end goal and then working backwards and using that as motivation as well? Definitely. I think um, knowing that, you know, a dollar saved now, uh, we would be able to spend in the future. And in fact, because we're traveling in mostly lower, uh, lower cost countries, that's uh, our plan to our money just goes so much further mm. here. So when you think, oh, okay, it's, it's Friday night, uh, you know, I could be spending X dollars on on uh, takeout dinner, but that would actually cover like a lavish meal in some country ahead. It's a lot more motivation to say, hey, actually, I've got a few things in the fridge. Let's just whip something up. It probably won't even take much longer than getting food delivered anyway. 
you know, uh, it becomes much more easy to to make that decision. Yeah. Plus it's, you know, much easier to hold back when you sort of realize, like you mentioned that foregoing say one nice dinner here would equal two nice dinners um, in, in a month's time. Um, and the fact that you guys have control to decide where you travel to means that you can, you can make that a reality anyway. So it's not like uh, you have no control over it. You're just literally just saying, well, just remake plans and, you know, enjoy that um, at this point, because I don't know about you guys, but for me, knowing that I'm getting a good deal or saving, getting, getting a relatively um, better outcome for the same amount of money is, is just as delicious. Thank you for listening to the Future Tribe podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast app. 